This message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. Good morning. Isn't it wonderful what God's already spoken to us about? And uh, thank you, Holly, for that time of worship. That was wonderful. Fits in very clearly with what um, what I've got to share this morning. And I know, I think I'll just move this. I don't want anything cluttering or getting in the way. Um, yes, it's, it's just really good to know that we've already sung about every stronghold must come down. Every stronghold will be broken because Jesus has overcome the world. And he's going to break chains today. Um, I believe that God is going to break chains today. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful to see so many of you, some new faces and some old faces. And I'm Sharon, so if you've not met me before, it's lovely to see you and hopefully we'll get to chat later. Um, get my notes out. Um, what I want to speak to you about today is about the story of Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. Um, but I just believe that God wants us to have an expectation and anticipation today because you're here, you've brought yourselves here for a purpose and the fact that you're here means that you're hungry to receive more from God and God and the Holy Spirit is very, very happy about being here with us as well today and he is, he's been looking forward to this time together and he wants to do things. He wants to break strongholds in our lives. He wants to do new things and open, open us up. So as you, as you listen, just as Deborah said at the beginning, just be ready to receive new things um, from God today. So before I start, I'd just like to, to, to pray together. Lord, we just do thank you today that you are here amongst us and that your presence is tangible here with us, Father. We just praise you and thank you that you want to do good things in us today. We just praise and worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that it is finished, that the work has been completed and that you are bringing us into new things today. Father, we pray by your Holy Spirit that you will lead us and guide us and that you will help us to receive from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I say, I want to look at um, Luke chapter 1, um, 1 to 56, and I'm reading in the ESV, the English Standard Version. Um, there are three main characters, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and Mary, and we're, we're going to look at some of the obstacles that hinder our walk with God, and then some of the signs and keys of living in the purpose and power of the Holy Spirit. So let's begin. Um, you can either just listen, or if you want to read it in, um, in the version that you've got. Um, Luke 1. In as much as many have... As many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, 
Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying 
and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Amen. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. But for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Amen. They're wonderful scriptures. And this amazing story of the impending arrival of Jesus the Messiah begins to unfold here in this first chapter. It's been talked of testified of, prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. And here at last, the time has come for the proclamation of the birth of a Savior, Jesus Christ. This passage serves as a huge trumpet fanfare 
of his impending arrival. And you get the sense of that, don't you, as this growing excitement and, and this story unfolds. So we're introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth in verse 5. Both of them were of priestly descent from the line of Aaron. And it's likely that Zechariah would have been a leader in the village where they lived. They're both described as righteous before God, walking blamelessly. But there's this big but in their lives, isn't there, in verse 7. But they had no child. Their prayer for a child had gone unanswered. And it seemed now, with both of them getting older, that it's just not going to happen. And so here in verse 9, Zechariah has been chosen by Lot and this angel appears to him. And when Zechariah um, saw the angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. And the Amplified Bible actually says that fear took possession of him. And this is the first hindrance that I want to share um, about that fear freezes us. We cannot walk in faith and in the freedom of Christ if we're fearful and afraid. The two just can't function together, can they? Fear came from nowhere, like, and, and fear, fear can come from nowhere for us, just like it did for Zechariah. There can be suddenlies in our lives, can't there? Sudden sickness, sudden financial crisis, a sudden loss of a job, it just comes from nowhere, and we all face these suddenlies. But it's very important how we respond. And that's what we want to do, isn't it? We want to respond in the right way. Fear is from the enemy. He will try to throw fear over us like a dark cloak. He wants to rob, to steal, and to take away our peace. And someone wisely said, fight fear as you would fight a plague. Turn it out of your lives. Turn it out of your home. Fight it singly. Fight it together. Never inspire fear. It's an evil ally. So how do we fight fear? The angel had said to Zechariah, do not fear. Do not be afraid. We fight fear with the word of God. It's a sword in our hand. When we speak the word of God to ourselves, it produces faith in us, and that's what will come out. It gives us confidence in him. It gives an anchor for us to stand on. It changes our thinking. It causes us to just change our attitude. And the word is powerful. It's powerful. It can do that for us. It turns us around completely, and we throw fear out. We throw it off. God says that his perfect love drives out fear. And in the Amplified version, it says that there is no fear in love. And I think Katie's going to be able to put that on the screen for us in the Amplified. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. God is for us. He loves us. As I think it was um, 
one of the ladies that said, it is finished. Was it, you? it is finished. The work has been done. He's done everything for us. So we don't have to fear. And uh, another scripture that I just want to share quickly is John 14, 26 and 27, where Jesus is teaching the disciples about the Holy Spirit before he uh, goes to the cross. And he said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't that wonderful? He will remind us of what he said to us. The Holy Spirit will remind us, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Let's not let fear trip us up or hinder our walk with God. Amen. So moving on, uh, to verse 13, and again, I think this will come up on the screen now. We're just looking at 13 to 18. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. So this was just fantastic, glorious news. The long years of prayer for a son were over. God's grace is resting on Elizabeth and Zechariah, but somehow Zechariah just doesn't seem to be able to catch this wonderful news. There's a blockage, and he doesn't seem to get beyond that verse 13. <laughs> He didn't hear anything after that. He'd got stuck on the bit where Elizabeth was going to bear him a son. And can you imagine his thoughts? Hang on a minute. What are you saying? I'm an old man. My wife is old. She's barren. She's been barren for years. And this brings us to the second hindrance that I want us to pick up on. Doubt debilitates us. Doubt overtook Zechariah and he just couldn't believe that it would happen the way that he was being told it would be. Zechariah was so busy doubting that he didn't hear the good news. He didn't hear the truth. James tells us something about doubt in chapter 1, 6 and 8. Again, there it is. Um, which just explains, I think it gives us a lovely picture of what doubt looks like. Because James says, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Doubt makes us like the wave of a sea. It'll make us tossed all over the place. Our thoughts are here, there and everywhere. And the thing is, Zechariah would have been very familiar with all those verses that the angel was quoting. It was a fulfillment of Malachi 4, 5 and 6, which says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. That was Malachi chapter 4. And Zechariah would have been familiar with those verses because it linked the Old Testament with the New. Isn't God good? He would be the new Elijah, the herald of the long-promised son, Messiah. So because of his unbelief, Zechariah was told that he wouldn't be able to speak until this day is fulfilled. And this was a sober lesson for Zechariah. And I'm sure he was going to ponder over those things in those nine months that he was dumb. But just as an aside, I just want to pick up on this. It's wonderful to read later. We've not read it this morning. But when Zechariah did speak again from verse 67... We're told that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied about Jesus. God hadn't abandoned Zechariah. He hadn't abandoned him. He hadn't written him off. And this had been a huge lesson for for Zechariah to learn. And God's the same with us. Isn't he good? He knows that we're works in progress, that we sometimes miss the mark. But praise God, he's a God of the second chance and the third chance, and the next chance. And Hebrews tells us that he will never leave us, nor forsake us. Hallelujah. So now it's time to turn our attention to Elizabeth. I just love Elizabeth. I would love to have known her. In verse 23 to 25, we read that when his Zechariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Folks, Jesus has lifted the shadow of shame. This but that I referred to in verse 7 was a big but for Elizabeth. It deeply affected her life. In fact, it had become her identity. Elizabeth was barren. They had no children and they were old in years. And she'd suffered greatly as a result of that, not only in her own loss, but with the reproach and shame that she felt from the people around her. I think she lived with that disgrace as a dark shadow over her and it bowed her down. It was like she had worn an old coat. But, but God, but God, God stepped in. He did a wonderful, beautiful work in Elizabeth's life, completely turning her around and taking away her shame. God brought true restoration and transformation. He took away her disgrace of being childless and barren. His grace and his love is overwhelming to us. And when Jesus saves us, he removes all of our shame and all of our disgrace. He remembers it no more. And here's another verse to remind us that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin Don't continue to walk in that old coat. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You can throw it off. God has done a complete work 
It is finished. Don't let your past affect your future. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Hallelujah. Another thing that Jesus does is that he lifts the lid of our limited thinking. Not only had God removed all of Elizabeth's shame and disgrace, but he had set her free. We can see in the verses that follow that he has completely set her free. And she is able to serve him in a new and a supernatural way, as, we'll, as we've read. And when we're born again, the Holy Spirit leads us into a whole new way of thinking. The old perceptions about ourselves have to go. That whole sense of, I'm not good enough, I'm too young, I'm too old, I could never do that, I could never go there. They have to be thrown off because we, we can't count ourselves out. We have to count ourselves in. God wants us to be changed in our thinking. He who has been set free is free indeed. Elizabeth had been totally set free to serve God and to live out her life in his purpose. She'd been totally transformed from the inside out. And likewise, we can walk away from under that lid of limited thinking and begin to walk in his power. And this next scripture that I want to share is in Romans 12. And it's in the J.B. Phillips translation. I just love, um, many of you will know this, this um, translation. Um, With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is good for you, meets all his demands and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Wonderful. Nothing is impossible with God. He wants us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So let's throw off that limited thinking. Just as Deborah got rid of that old suitcase and that coat at the beginning. Now we come to Mary. Let's have a look at Mary. And I just want to uh, quote Tom Wright on this. um, Because he just describes it beautifully. When this God acts on the large scale... He takes care of smaller human concerns as well. The drama which now takes center stage is truly the story of God, the world, and every ordinary human being who has ever lived in it. So we're going to read just Luke 1, 28 and 29, where the angel comes to Mary and he says to her, Hail, O favored one, endued with grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed, favoured of God are you before all other women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind what such a greeting might mean. I think that's quite amusing that she was thinking, what does he mean? What does he mean? Here's another suddenly. 
She's perturbed, but she's not afraid. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God and Mary said behold I am the servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word and the angel departed so Mary is to be the mother of the Messiah and despite her young age she accepts the news quietly with a holy and godly character. Her response is mature. Let it be to me according to your word. What a beautiful expression that is. Here is an example of happy obedience and perfect trust. This was complete surrender to the lordship of King Jesus. God wants our complete and glad surrender to him, holding nothing back, Mary made herself wholly available and laid her own life down as a living sacrifice. Her own plans were laid aside in order that she could be completely yielded to live the life that he purposed for her from now on. But this was enormous news for Mary to take in and there was no one nearby that she could talk to. How can you explain that you've had a visitation from an angel? She must have been longing to talk to someone, and yet who would understand it? Who could she go to and share this news? Well, this is no coincidence that the angel had mentioned about Elizabeth, and this was all in God's providence, wasn't it? Wonderful. So Mary hurried off. She knew she would be able to be herself with Elizabeth, her relative. Elizabeth would do her good. She would encourage her and would answer some of her many questions. I'm sure these were some of the things that Mary pondered as she made that long journey. And then the wonderful next scripture that we read is in verse 40. As she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of the womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who, has, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to from the Lord. So this is a sign of the power of the Holy Spirit, this powerful prophecy where the Holy Spirit is. And the first words that Mary heard when she entered Elizabeth's house 
were words of faith and encouragement. They were words filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They were a confirmation as well of exactly the same words that the angel Gabriel had said to her. And those words were blessed and favored among women. And Elizabeth used exactly those same words, the first words that she said. That's wonderful, isn't it? How wonderful for Mary to have that same word confirmed to her heart. Isn't it wonderful when we have a word confirmed to us twice? I always find that such a blessing because I know, God, you're saying something here. And you're saying, hang on a minute, just listen to this. God is so faithful to us. Elizabeth recognized the significance of Mary's child and it caused her to bow down and call him her Lord. The Holy Spirit showed her this and she made it known to Mary. I just think that the presence of the Holy Spirit must have been so tangible in that room. And it was all for purpose. It was all for purpose. It was to give Mary a good grounding and a good foundation from the very outset of her pregnancy. And a sign of the purpose of the Holy Spirit was in this dynamic discipleship that we go on to read about. It's a lovely example of an older woman of God taking a younger woman under her wing. God providentially provided Elizabeth to encourage Mary in those early days. She was only a young girl for them to mutually encourage each other by talking about all the good things that God had done in their lives. Don't you just love to be with people, with women, where you can talk about God and the good things that he's done in your lives? It's wonderful, isn't it? So I think Elizabeth really helped Mary to see beyond the immediate and to see that bigger picture. I really believe that. Elizabeth was um, a woman who had walked blamelessly she would have known the scriptures and that encouraging would have helped Mary to prepare her in so many different ways as I've said I just love spending time with women who do me good and I love encouraging other women and I love being with women who will encourage me and we need to spend time with each other girls we need to be women who build each other up there's so much out there in the world where people are ready to tear you down. But with Christian sisters, we can build one another up. We're to be women who will sharpen each other and encourage each other and bring the word of God to each other. And that's what we're going to do today as we bring, give, give to one another and receive from one another. So find a Mary, find an Elizabeth, find someone to encourage or who will encourage you. And another scripture I just want to share is in Titus 2, 3 to 5, where it says in the Amplified, Older women similarly are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor addicted to much wine, teaching what is right and good, so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children, to be sensible, pure, makers of a home where God is honored, good-natured, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Those things are so important, aren't they? So It's so good for us to be able to encourage younger women in, in their walk, in their homes, with their children, with their husbands. Before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, God provided an Elizabeth for me. Her name was Edith, 
And I know some of you are nodding your heads, knowing that you knew her too. She was 75 when I first met her, and I was half her age. She was a woman full of the Holy Spirit and so in love with Jesus. I'd never met anyone like her, and I knew that she had a relationship with Jesus that I didn't have, and I very much wanted. And the difference was that she had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I, she wasn't powerful or dynamic to look at, but the sweetness of the Holy Spirit just flowed out from her. I was hungry to hear all that she'd got to tell me about him. In fact, I sought her out to spend as much time with her as I could. I'd, my children were still young, but she lived in the same village. She lived here in Stony Stanton at the time, and so I would get there at lunchtime to spend time before picking the children up from school. And everything that she said to me just seemed to ring true. I thank God that he brought her across my path. It certainly wasn't a coincidence. She taught me so much. She sharpened me. She loved me. She was patient with me. She challenged me as well in a very sweet and godly way. She challenged me. And even though she's no longer here, her words and her life still influences me and speak to me today. And you know that we can have an influence on women even after we're gone. Isn't that wonderful? We can have an influence. Our, our sense can, can follow on. They can, I believe that Edith passed a baton on to me, and I shared that at a funeral. She passed that baton on, not just to me, but to lots of other women too. And it's wonderful that even though she's no longer here, her influence is there. So don't underestimate the, the things that, that can happen. So these early days, these three months, this time with Elizabeth for Mary were to be formative weeks. Time for her to consider and take in the greatness of what was about to unfold. Humanly, I think she needed to be in a place of confinement and a place of comfort where she could just ponder on the things that God was doing and all that was about to happen. God is so faithful. He just puts us in the right place at the right time. And nothing is a coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. God knows every detail. He knows all that we need. So here finally, I just want us to look at this beautiful, beautiful song at the end here, the Magnificat. Um, one of the most famous songs in Christianity. I understand that Bach has written a symphony about the Magnificat. So let's read it together. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. This is a wonderful song of praise, and it proclaims Mary's thanks to the greatness of her Lord. She's recognized what this truth means for her and for the future of all mankind. Jesus would be the answer to man's total need. The long-awaited promise is about to be fulfilled, and Mary just can't stop singing about it. It's a hymn full of Old Testament phrases, which Mary must have known since her childhood. It's a song of faith and a song of trust in her God. It's all about God, and it's all because of Jesus. It made Elizabeth's baby leap for joy, and it's caused Mary's heart to sing with praises. And this is my final point on worship. Worship, whether corporately or alone, is the anecdote to our fears, to our anxieties, and our doubts. It lifts us up into a higher realm, and it causes us to rejoice in God. Worship and praise is very powerful because it closes off the voice of the enemy. It's so beneficial to spend time, whether we're alone or together in worship, and it's a simple way to lift us into that new dimension. So finally, let's just look at Ephesians 5, 19 to 20. It should be up there on the screen there. Thank you, Katie. Speak out to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God meets with us very quickly as we draw near to him in this way. So just to sum up, let's be those who won't allow fear to freeze us. We're not going to allow doubt to debilitate us. We know that Jesus has lifted that shadow of shame and, and removed all our sins. He's lifted us out of limited thinking and transforms us into a new way of thinking. He wants our complete surrender to him, just like Mary did, laying aside everything else. And as we do this, we will behold his purpose and his power in prophecy, dynamic discipleship, and wonderful worship and praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk